Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am Rick Stevens. I am your host. And remember that this is your show, folks. If you've got questions you would love to have answered at some point, if you have a topic you'd like to hear a little bit more about, feel free to give us a call at 719-500-8700. You can also send me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com, or go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. Go to that contact tab on the top right corner. Hit that bad boy. Send us that question you'd like to have answered. Send us that topic you'd like to hear a little bit more about because we would love to hear from you. Well, folks, we are back in the studio again this week. We are here, as always, with Andrew Rogers. Andrew, it's just another beautiful day in paradise somewhere. Absolutely, somewhere. I mean, just like it's 5 o'clock somewhere, for oh. sure. Always true, always true. You know, Alan Jackson, I'm pretty sure, was 100% correct about that. Yep. Folks, this week on Money Matters, we're going to talk about some of those, uh, maybe we should call them some missteps that, uh, that folks can oftentimes make when they are looking uh, not only at their own finances, but also trying to do some... So financial planning, especially in that world of trying to work with a professional. And, and Andrew, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you, you are so perfect that you have never made a misstep in any way, shape, or form, not just in the financial world and working on that, but, but you're good. You, you, you've never made a mistake ever that you're aware of. So now as I'm writing this check, is it S-T-E-V-E-N or is it P-H-E-N-S? Uh, that, that's with a V. My, uh-huh. uh, my great-grandpa and his brothers changed it from a P-H to a V. So uh, that we're, we're good with that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, the, the reputation that you have may not be the uh, right one, but I'm glad I put that off. But <laughs> yeah, no, definitely uh, missteps abound. Just go ahead and ask uh, TJ later. I'm sure he'll fill you in. Uh, he may even throw one or two in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in the breaks here somewhere. You know, um, Dave Ramsey talks about those those financial mistakes, right? That that we can make. Uh, he calls it paying the stupid tax. Yeah, uh, it's a great great learning opportunity. I have in in my life. Uh, I have paid that stupid tax. Uh, I've paid it with zeros on the end of it. And uh, you know, as as an advisor, I, I tell this to folks. Most of these mistakes I made before I got into that world as as the advisor. So now I know what things to not talk to my clients about or how to properly maybe is the better way to say it, talk to my clients and how to keep them from making those mistakes. How to advise them away from mistakes with zeros at the end of it. Exactly, exactly. Because you know the, the folks who typically make those best coaches, those best teachers, those best counselors, those best whatever – are the ones who have had that, uh, shall we call it, life experience at times. Absolutely. And then, you know, when you're talking about 
missteps as well. And obviously, you know, we're talking about things with zeros as well, but there's also things that uh, maybe career missteps, other missteps as well that uh, set you back on the time frame as well, not just drain the account. Exactly. You know, there there are some things that, you know, and, and we're all guilty of this in one way, shape, or form where we might, you know, get some information. We might hear information from a couple of different sources and think, you know what? I'm going to do it this way, even though I've been advised not to, even though, you know, conventional wisdom might say not to do that. But, uh, you know, back in 1989, I, uh, I watched uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful manager by the name of Don Zimmer uh, with the Chicago Cubs at that point uh, doing some things that were unconventional and they worked out like a bases loaded hit and run. Yeah. And it worked. So I'm going to do some unconventional things in in this part of my life. And, you know, there's a reason things are called conventional versus unconventional. Absolutely. You know, and I'd also like to find out exactly who they are because you always hear, you know, they say to do this. And, you know, (laughs) they always say this. Who exactly is the organization they that you're getting this information from? Uh, you know, it's it's one of those fun pieces. And that's actually one of those missteps we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But the they, I have found oftentimes the they who say this, that, and the other are oftentimes folks who are just trying to sell us different things, right? Whether it's their own product, whether it's their own service, uh, sometimes it's something that that there has been, you know, maybe one semi-study done on that's not truly researched well, but we're going to put this out there just like it were, you know, the the carved in stone kind of truth about every situation possible. But, hey, I'm really just trying to sell you this, that, or the other. Yeah, and even, you know, we saw it a couple of years ago where you might happen to get really lucky and get it right once, and then all of a sudden you turn to an advisor on a forum on say reddit and all of a sudden now you're starting this movement and everything goes bonkers yes yeah yeah it's uh it's crazy as to where folks oftentimes go for their for their information and 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 i will i will you know full disclosure here there are times where i have guessed correctly um i my my fantasy football team is named the blind squirrels mm-hmm. and that's purely because every once in a while, every once in a while, that blind squirrel does find a nut, right? You've made a lucky guess. You've gotten things just right at the right exact time. But the reality of the whole situation needs to be: I'm not just going in and finding these meme stocks. I'm not just listening to somebody with some crazy, funky, pink kitty or whatever the heck his name was out there at one point on Reddit. Um, who claims to, hey, we can do this, that, and the other and upset the apple cart. Because while that might work for a brief amount of time, um, there there were way too many stories. And, and if you go through and look, you can find the stories of the folks who were listening to the people who weren't exactly giving good, real, true uh, fiduciary style information and and we'll talk about what that fiduciary is a little bit later on here as well but just because it's out there just because it's in those interwebs and there are tens and hundreds and sometimes even thousands of people that are following this that and the other 
it doesn't necessarily make it good information. Yeah, and of course, it's something that, you know, money, we're very, you know, sensitive to kind of want to be in control of it as much as we can. And But it goes to prove, you know, you've used the analogy before, you wouldn't exactly do surgery on yourself. That's why you need to work with an expert. And let's talk a little bit about the reasons to work with an expert to make sure that you are making those right financial decisions. You know, one of the one of the things that I hear oftentimes uh, from folks who who don't want to work with an advisor, right? Who want to just kind of either do it on their own, or or I'm going to get my information by watching this television show on cable, or that show on cable, or I subscribe to this particular uh, um, newsletter that that they send me every week and tell me about X, Y, and Z. They don't want to work with advisors because it's, quote unquote, too expensive. It costs too much to work with an advisor. And I will I will agree on some levels. There are some folks out there who charge, well, quite frankly, almost an arm and a leg mm-hmm. to, to work with them. For the most part, uh, if you are working with an advisor and they are actually managing your assets, the, the norm, if you will, is somewhere between one and a one and a half percent portion of those assets per year. Uh, sometimes it's taken out once, sometimes it's quarterly, sometimes it's monthly. Um, you know, it all depends on how that setup is. But oftentimes folks go, oh, one percent. Oh my goodness, I, I can't afford to pay an advisor one percent of my assets. What's that advisor going to do for me in that case? Yeah. And, and that's one of those questions that honestly is a good question, right? Right? Because we want to know if I am paying for a service, what is that service ultimately being provided? And, and there's a study that's been done uh, by the folks at Russell Investments, and, and you can look it up. You go to the Google machine, you type in Russell Investments value of an advisor, and it'll, it'll give you all the data on their study. And what they've done is they've looked at uh, basically four different aspects of what an advisor does for clients. The the first one that they look at is having an actively managed and rebalanced portfolio. You've got somebody other than you looking out for what's in the portfolio and and when we need to rebalance it, get it right uh, in the the right asset mix because things have grown or things have pulled back over time. So doing that on an active basis, they look at that piece. Uh, they look at what they call the behavioral coaching. And, and we've talked about that on here before. Basically, it's keeping the investor from making those emotional decisions about money. Because as, as you said, money is a very emotional sort of thing. So when you when you have that behavioral coaching, you've got that advisor in there who who goes back to the logical, rational side rather than the emotional, irrational side. There's a plus in there. They also talk about that customized experience, right? So that that advisor working with you, quite frankly, in all aspects of your financial world, not just the the investment selection piece, but, but going through the entire process of that, everything that the dollar touches, if you will, so that's everything from from making those decisions on do do we buy a house or refinance the home we're in? Do we uh, start saving for this? Do we borrow for that? How are we going to pay for college? All of these different pieces in there. And the last part is the tax 
sensitive side, the tax smart planning that, that they talk about, and, and making sure that with all of these decisions that we're making, that we're being as effective as possible in that tax world. And what, what they've done is they've put a number on those pieces. And all four of those together, the difference between working with an advisor and not, it might cost you 1% to do that, but you actually end up with about a 4.9% increase in what you would otherwise not working with an advisor. So you're almost losing, what, 4% by trying to hold on and do it yourself. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the the way I always like to put this is, you know, if you've, you're talking about an advisor and numbers, right? Let's say you start out with an investment portfolio that's got $10,000 in it. Mm-hmm. And you're growing it. You're getting an average of 8% over the course of 20 years. So you don't add anything extra. 20 years from now, that's $43,000 is what it has grown to, which, again, for that initial $10,000 investment, not a bad thing in that time frame. But if you put the advisor into that mix, you end up with that extra 4.91% over the course of time. That $10,000 in 20 years could actually be worth beyond 100000 So 10 to 40 is not so bad, but 10 to 100 is pretty good. Yeah. And, and you, would, you would think maybe at that spot, that advisor maybe wasn't too expensive to work with in that long run. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's the old mindset as far as looking at the forest versus the trees right now, seeing, you know, from that higher level, just the uh, impact having that advisor truly does have. And as we get into the uh, meat and potatoes here of the show today, we're going to talk about things to do or more importantly, probably not to do when you're working with that financial advisor. Yep, absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to go through a number of those different things, uh, Some of those missteps we can make uh, when it comes to the financial world, that financial planning, all of those different pieces going on through here. So, folks, we are up against that first break in today's show. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the most effective way to work with those financial advisors. Stick around. We will be right back. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking around with us through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers. This is Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. And we are talking this week about some of those uh, missteps that, that we can make at times in our financial lives, especially when working with an advisor or not, as the case may be, mm-hmm. right? Talked about that just a little bit there, headed into that last break. But Andrew, there, there are a lot of different things, a lot of different, uh, you know, kind of moving parts as we go through here that that are kind of important to to really keep in mind as you're as you're thinking about, okay, 
not only do I want to work with an advisor or not, but even when I am working with an advisor, there are certain things that uh, are going to make life a lot better and a lot easier for you. Yeah, and let's start off. He put together a very convenient top 10 list, if you will. Yeah, back sort of the, David Letterman style. Yeah, back from the home office. So uh, <laughs> I guess what is the number 10 do not do to uh, have a successful relationship between you and your advisor? Well, you know, uh, number 10 is not just that successful relationship with you and the advisor. It's the successful relationship with you and your significant other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and number 10, that don't do this sort of thing is don't show up at a meeting if you're married without that spouse. Don't show up without that significant other. And there's a reason behind this. And, and that's that, you know, we, we don't always like to think about the mortality side of things. But the reality of it is about 90% of women will be in charge of their family's finances some point in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as as that male in uh, in our family, uh, the, the likelihood is you and I will probably predecease our our spouses. Um, and and I don't I don't really like to sound harsh about this, but the reality is when we're planning for two lifetimes, right? Financially, we're planning for two lifetimes, you and your spouse, it's important to hear from both parties in that. And I know some people, and I'll use myself in our situation as an example, that it might be easier just to send one. Say one person works a traditional nine to five, and the other wakes up at two thirty and is done around one. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that that sort of thing happens often. Uh, you know, whether you've got spouses on two different schedules, um, or you know, you've got uh, one one spouse who works a a traditional schedule. And perhaps the other is sort of that stay-at-home parent, but if you have lots of children, they may be running kids to this, that, and the other, and it's hard to actually put those schedules together. But I can't tell you how many times I have sat in my office with a newly widowed client, and pretty much the first words out of their out of their mouths were, "I I never knew what was going on with our finances. You know, I don't I don't know what we have." My my spouse took care of everything. I have no idea. I need help. That's a hard conversation to start right there is to say, well, this is what you have or this is what you don't have. Um, and and to, to do that, because, you know, ultimately marriage is the partnership. Right. And, and that's that includes that financial aspect of it. And, and the best thing that you can do, and it may not always happen perfectly this way, because, yes, yeah, schedules are a little different. But the best thing you can do is to look at your finances together and, and at least have that annual meeting where you've sat down both spouses with the advisor. Don't just dump it in the lap of one and say, you take care of it all. Yeah, and it's definitely that kind of partnership in making sure that everyone knows what's going on. And speaking of knowing what's going on, moving to that next point, there's uh, besides that spouse, that significant other that you should be bringing to as many meetings as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. There's other things that you should make sure that you're bringing and definitely keeping tabs of when it comes to that relationship between you and your advisor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of those things that, uh, you know, companies are really great at these days is when you look at your statement and, and you can see, okay, this is 
how much I have at the end of certain days, you know, whether that's the end of a month, end of a quarter. Typically you get, okay, this is what it's currently worth. This is how much it was up or down in this quarter. And, and oftentimes they'll put a little pie chart uh, on, on that statement, and the pie chart will show you how your money is divided amongst different funds. And oftentimes underneath that it'll say, if you, know, if, if you were to retire today, you could generate X dollars per month out of this portfolio. And oftentimes people just look at that and go, well, there's my financial plan. That, that's it. Here's my, here's my dollar figure. Here's that bottom line. It'll generate X dollars. And they just kind of leave it at that. They, they don't think about the other thing. Wait, so you're saying when I log into, you know, different accounts and all of a sudden they have a little, you know, graph or whatever and in green saying, hey, you're good. That shouldn't be considered sound financial advice. You know, oddly, oddly enough, not so much. Uh, uh-huh. Not not so much on there, um, unless they're sending you the hey, it's green, it's good because you have ten million dollars in the bank and you live on about two thousand dollars a month. That I could be okay with, uh, but from that uh, actual financial planning perspective, having a true plan is more than just what's my bottom line number and what's it going to generate? Because we've got to look at things like what's it going to cost to live, right? I've got to look at my my retirement income. I've got to look at my retirement expenses. I've got to think about things like long-term care, right? That is typically the most uh, expensive item folks will have to deal with at some point in time. And that's, that's that long-term care sort of idea, whether that's You've got somebody that comes into the home to uh, to take care of some skilled nursing. They're in an actual facility because it's not cheap. If you end up in a in an actual skilled nursing facility, what you know when I was growing up we called nursing homes. Um, these days, especially in the El Paso County area, you can see costs seven, eight, nine thousand dollars per month. And if you haven't done things to protect your overall assets, it's going to eat those up very quickly. Uh, when if you're not careful, so you've got to think about those sort of things, and whether that's you know also some other liability protection, legacy planning as well, right? In terms of your your investments, that sheet of paper that shows up at the end of the month or the end of the quarter takes absolutely none of that into consideration. Absolutely, it's really just that kind of algorithm to try and you know make it seem like you're getting much more than you really are, and uh, just some form that doesn't really take into account any of the lifestyle or things that having an in-person advisor would. Exactly. You know, you, you can't necessarily tell uh, that that computer that generates that statement, hey, when I retire, I'm thinking about selling my house. I'm thinking about traveling to this part of the globe or that part of the globe, or I'm going to uh, not fully walk away from the work world, but I'm going to continue to work to generate some kind of an income. Those are things you can only do that you can only talk to with an advisor who's building that financial plan. Yeah. You know, there's there's also a thing where um, <clears throat> I know folks out there have probably heard that having a multitude of advisors is a good idea. And on some level, I will agree with that. Right, having having many folks around us to give us some advice to help us through situations that either they have seen or they've experienced themselves, very good idea. What is not a good idea, though, 
is multiple of the same advisor out there. And and because ultimately what you what you're going to end up with and that's, you know, in our in our list here as well is having two or three or four different people quote unquote competing against one another, which oftentimes means that, you know, if you if you're trying to work with two and three and four financial advisors, a, they may not be on the same page as you. Um, they're definitely not going to be on the same page as one another because kind of going back to that, hey, if I've got two people who are telling me the exact same thing, one of them is unnecessary, right? Because they've just duplicated the other one basically exactly the same way. There's no use in that. Um, but but I also like to think about it like this. If, if you're trying to get folks to compete against one another, you have just put their interest ahead of yours. And as a fiduciary, right, I have to put you, the client, your interest ahead of my own. But if you've got me competing with multiple advisors, you've made it clear my interests need to come first and not yours. And you're probably not going to get as good advice coming out of that because, A, typically they don't have a whole picture, and we're going to come to that later on as well. But, B... If performance is the only thing you're you're looking at here, well, I'll come back to that blind squirrel analogy, right? That you you might have an advisor who guessed right for one calendar year and who got you the best returns, but that best guess where they guessed right may not actually work for the year coming up or the next year after that or beyond that or for the next 20. They just happen to guess right in those 12 months. And now you've kind of pit people against one another in that. And, and I, you know, when it comes to my money, I don't like to pit people against one another with my money. I want the best overall. Absolutely. And then the next thing goes right into that as well, too. And really knowing what uh, the end goal is for whomever you're working with, because there's a lot of times that uh, people might be approaching you for something, but... Uh, really showing off as far as, um, you know, really for their own interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, there, there are some great folks out there who, who do tremendous work in picking the, you know, guessing the right security for this, that, and the other, the right investment vehicle for this, that, and the other. Oftentimes, though, what they're doing is they're picking today's investment vehicle, not based on what's going on in markets today, but in response or in reaction to what happened last quarter, last year, the last two years, and trying to make adjustments based on that, not necessarily looking at, um, well, the ability as to whether or not last year is going to repeat again this year. So having a singular person in there is really your best your best option. But with that said, you still need that team involved. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, four financial advisors because you also typically aren't going to have three tax preparers and five insurance agents and two estate attorneys. But what it does mean, having that team together to help you, that multiple advisors, is your tax preparer talks to your financial advisor who works with your insurance agent who are all coordinating things with an estate attorney to build that one big giant plan together for you in unison. And that's the big piece out of this. Yes, you can have multiple advisors, meaning folks who are separate in, in their own areas, 
but it's ultimately got to be one singular team working, looking out for your best interest. Exactly. You know, the, and I know I've talked about this piece um, in here as well, and we'll, we'll hit this quick before we get uh, into this next break. But that part that I always love, right, are folks who come up and say, hey, I was, I was watching this or I was listening to this or I was reading this, and, and then they give me some sort of crazy, wild story somewhere out in left field. And, you know, as my, as my father-in-law is known to say often, one of the most important things we've got to do is consider the source, mm-hmm. right? Consider that source of that information they're providing you with. And, and we've got to think about where that advice is coming from. Whose interest ultimately is this advice going to serve here, right? Yes, there are some general rules of thumb, but when we get into dealing with your very specific items, that comes specifically to you, not not some of this general stuff that gets thrown out on the airwaves. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about some of that uh, specific advice and what we really need to do to try to avoid that. So stick around. We will be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking around through that break with us, Rick Stevens and Andrew Rogers here on Money Matters presented by FRS Financial. We're talking about some of those uh, missteps that that we can have going on uh, in our financial world. We're kind of here in the middle of talking about just sort of getting that general information or sometimes even very specific information from sources And one of those things that we've got to look at when that information comes across our desk, comes through our mail, comes whatever, is we've got to consider the source, right? We've got to do that, Andrew. We've got to think about um, when this particular show began, was there a disclaimer at the beginning of that show? In particular, if there are, say, certain cable news shows where you've got guys with dinging bells and screaming buzzers and all of that sort of stuff. What did the disclaimer at the beginning of that show say? Even though this guy's going to be out here telling me buy this and sell that and get into here and get out of there, typically there's a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that disclaimer says the following is for educational or informational purposes only. So if it's educational or informational why are they telling me about hot stock A and and terrible stock B and buy this and dump that if it's only education and information? But what if they've been doing it for years? Well, you know what? There's there's typically a marketing concept in here somewhere where they're trying to tell you this is only for education, this is only for information, but you should buy this and buy that because that makes it sound like they're not selling you something, mm-hmm. right? And, and my... My example here, at the beginning of my show, right, we've got that disclosure. It happens every week. 
and it specifically targets the idea that the information is educational in nature and that for your specific situation, we need to sit down and we need to talk individually. And, and quite frankly, if folks have been listening to the show, especially for any length of time, they know I'm not giving specific information out. I'm not saying buy this mutual fund, sell that mutual fund, get into this stock, get out of that kind of a loan. We're not doing specific information because the general idea is the education side, right? It is that general rule of thumb. Dave Ramsey talks about those rules, right? If you notice, Dave never tells you buy this fund or buy that fund. But there are folks out there who are selling you, quite frankly, very specific investments to get into. I always get into this fund A, this fund B, and that fund C. But when we're talking about the education side, we talk about that general rule of thumb. Just because somebody has done this for a long time doesn't necessarily mean they're A, good at it, and B, licensed to do it, especially if they've been doing it forever, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was listening to this guy, and he's been sending out this this uh, this uh, email, email newsletter, newsletter for so yeah. long. Forever, right? He always says, do this and do that. My first recommendation to folks is go look these people up. Go find out if they are registered brokers, if they are registered advisors, because just because you've done something forever doesn't necessarily mean that A, you're good at it, and B, you're licensed to do it. So how do you look up those registrations? How do you look up those licenses? So the easiest way to do that, uh, there's a website at FINRA, so FINRA is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and it's brokercheck.finra.com. And you can go to that, and you can type in their name, you can type in the city, you can type in their actual zip code, if you know that, and it will give you the information about that individual if they're licensed with FINRA, if they're licensed with the SEC, It'll tell you what licenses they hold. It'll tell you what states that they are licensed to do business in. And if folks don't show up under that, it's typically because they don't want to deal with those regulations that come by being registered at the federal level. There are states that that do uh, monitor this, quote-unquote monitor, uh, this sort of thing. But an individual state registration versus a federal registration, um, it, it works this way. There is a dollar amount mm-hmm. that if you manage assets in total above a certain dollar amount, you must be a federally licensed advisor versus if you only are at this particular amount or below, you can be, you can be uh, at the state registered level. I will tell you from experience, the state does not monitor things like the federal government mm-hmm. does. And and quite frankly, there there are places out there and, and you can go do some digging, do some do some looking up at these different places that are trying to get you to do A, B, and C, right? There there are places where 
Yes, they've had this financial business operating for 10, 15, 20 years. But if you go through and you say, go to krdo.com, you type in the name of the company and you look for some stories, you're going to find stories about this company that, you know, they've been in trouble with federal authorities because maybe they don't have licensed people doing what they're supposed to do, yet they're still trying to do that. They're selling things without proper licenses or they're selling products they're not supposed to sell um, or they're having people who aren't licensed sell different products. You can you can find all this information out, right? Maybe they're putting things together where, you know, the owners of that company are the board members of the investment firm that they're putting things together with. You're going, that's, you know, kind of a conflict of interest in there. And because they're not federally registered, they don't have to tell you about those conflicts. But but for those of us who are federally registered, we have a fiduciary responsibility. Fiduciary responsibility is I have to put your interest ahead of my own. I can't sell you the thing that has the biggest commission just because it pays me. I've got to go, here are the two, three, four, five different things that will work best for you. Here is what it's going to cost you on each of these. I've got to go through that disclosure. If there's a conflict of interest in something, I've got to disclose that because I work at the federal advisory level. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things out there to, to kind of be aware of when you're, when you're looking at those different advisors, things to, to consider because oftentimes a lot of the places out there that are not federally registered – because they like to sell the high commission products. And if you're not registered at the federal level, you don't have to be that fiduciary. Yeah. And when it comes to those disclosures, obviously there's a lot to look at on the advisor side, but also here on the consumer side as well. There's a lot of things that we need to make sure that we are sharing with whomever our advisor is. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my favorite conversations oftentimes with clients start out with the phrase, oh, I forgot to tell you about. Well, I will I will say it like this. If I am giving advice on something, and in particular if I am giving you advice of what we need to be doing financially, whether that is from the the investment side, whether that is from the the debt side, uh, you know, we're paying off A, B, C, and D. Maybe we're thinking about saving up some money because we're going to go, you know, buy a car, put a down payment on a house, whatever. Full financial disclosure is the key to being able to make a good recommendation and, and to plan properly. And and what I what I always chuckle inside when I get to, oh, I forgot to tell you about uh, this particular account over here that I've got X dollars of cash in that I've been, you know, staffing or stuffing money away here for a couple years, two, three, four years in the process to go do this. Okay, well, we've been planning something totally different, Mm -hmm. and it's hard for me to help you hit those goals along the way if I don't know the whole story, right? And I know, folks, we don't don't like to lay that that financial life totally bare uh, in front of folks, even in front of those advisors, but regardless of how, I guess I would say, how unnecessary you might think it is, it's probably something very important for that advisor to know about because ultimately, right, you're paying for that advice or you're paying for that plan to be done. You want the best advice possible, 
And the best advice comes when somebody knows as much of the situation as humanly possible. So, so forgetting to tell them about certain aspects of things going on in your financial world is not going to get you the best advice out there. Yeah, and it's not going to end up where you want to be because, it's again, you're trying to have somebody help you out with a roadmap, but you're leaving out key portions of your route. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's it's that whole thing about, uh, you know, if I wanted to uh, to say get to get to Phoenix from Denver and I'm asking somebody to help me plan that out, but I don't tell them, hey, I want to also – you know, maybe stop off in Four Corners mm-hmm. as part of the road trip. Because if I'm just taking my traditional interstate route, it's not taking me to Four Corners. I'm no. not going to see that if I'm going Denver down to Phoenix. I'm going to have to actually make some changes. And if I haven't told the folks I'm having helped me plan the trip, I'm just kind of hoping I've made the right turn and that this map that I found on the side of the road is actually current and up-to-date and uh you know, when was the last time I actually updated the GPS on my vehicle and got the downloads of the new streets? Because I'll tell you, I had I had a 2012 F-150. There's a whole bunch of streets in and around Colorado Springs that aren't in the navigation system of that 2012 vehicle. Absolutely. And that's kind of goes with the next on your list as well as far as just that overall responsiveness from <laughs> the client themselves. Yeah, you know... Sort of that that idea, right? If we are the client, we want our advisor doing things that 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 work well with us. But in any relationship, I don't I don't care if it's parent and child, if it's spouses, if it's siblings, if it's you in a professional relationship with your advisor, you've got to be responsive. You've got to talk. You've got to communicate, because unless your advisor has a signed document that gives them what we call full discretion, meaning they can choose to do whatever at any time with the money you've put into an account, which, by the way, I typically don't recommend people Mm -hmm. do because it's still my money. I still want to maintain some sort of control over it. I still want to have that conversation with my advisor. Granted, that's me at this point. But I still want to be able to have that conversation to know what's going on Typically speaking, unless they have full disclosure, your advisor is going to need some kind of response. Almost always, it's going to have to be a verbal confirmation of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we we can't take orders left on voicemail. We can't take orders via email. Now, you could email and say, hey, I'd like to do this, but you're probably going to get a phone call yeah. to, to, to get that confirmed in there. But unless you can respond to the advisor, typically they can't make buys and sells and exchanges without your okay. So for for you to come back to the advisor and say, why didn't you do X, Y, Z in my account? You've got to think, ooh, did I return a phone call to them? Did I tell them I wanted them to do X, Y, or Z? Did they call me to ask and maybe maybe I didn't answer or didn't respond to that voicemail? Because what happens from the advisor's side is if I call and I ask, is it okay to do X, and I don't get a response, I have to assume the answer is no. Until I get a confirmation that it's yes, I have to assume no is that answer. Yeah, you can't have that Ron Popeil mindset of just set it and forget it. 
Right. There are certain things that uh, that we want to do, that we changes we might need to make, because hey, we might be having a uh, a crazy thing going on in the markets where over the course of six or eight months it's down twenty five percent, and there might be some changes to make. Absolutely. Well, we're gonna break down the final two suggestions as far as having that healthy relationship between a client and advisor still ahead. You're listening to Money Matters right here on KRDO News Radio. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, welcome back into this edition of Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens here with Andrew Rogers. We're talking about working with your advisor, some of those missteps that, that we can make at times as the client how to uh, sort of avoid those sort of things. And I'm going to ask this question of you, Ed. Mm-hmm. Are you a surprise guy? Do, do you like surprises? No. Not at all? No, not at all. As an advisor, I don't like surprises either. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's one of those things that uh, kind of like in that, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you about mm-hmm. this account and that account and this other account that I have. Um, as an advisor... When I get surprised by some, we'll call them major life changes in in a client's world, it's a little difficult to, uh, shall we say, unscramble the eggs at that point. Yeah, and when it comes to those major life changes, there's a lot to really consider, and it does have some impacts when it comes to that financial planning, also kind of the current financial situation, whatever you're managing. Exactly, exactly. You know, the the things that I oftentimes tell folks about major life events, right? Those are things like weddings, divorces, children being born, children going to college. Uh, Maybe you've sold your house. Maybe you've canceled some insurance. Uh, Maybe you just paid off a very large loan. Um, you know, maybe maybe you worked really hard and you've you've paid off your mortgage, you know, several years in advance. Any of the major financial moves, if you are working with an advisor, you're working on a plan, it's typically the best idea to tell them about these things before they actually happen. Because there are certain things that that we may need to adjust in those financial plans. And when it comes to some of those things, I mean, how much then is too much information? Because I'm sure there's probably a fine line between, you know, making sure that your advisor is up to speed on everything, but also not, you know, calling them on a weekly basis with whatever has changed. Right. You know, uh, the the way I love to tell folks is that that fine line between enough information to to work with and to make a really good plan Versus, I really didn't need to know that. Um, we might talk about your budget, for example, right? How much are you spending, whether that's weekly, monthly, whatever the case, on, say, groceries, right? We may talk about, okay, I've got, you know, it's, 
it's me, it's my wife, we've got X number of kids at home, so we spend Y dollars in any given month. And that's the good information to have. Mm-hmm. The information that becomes too much is, well, you know, there's this sale going on. And uh, this particular butcher shop has this really good sale going on right now. Uh, you know, meat is 70% off mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and I'm thinking about stocking up the freezer. You and I don't need to have that conversation. We, we just need to look at it at that, at that higher level to go, okay, if you've spent X dollars in this month, but you're buying, uh, you know, a side of beef and it's going to last you the full year, well, we've got to kind of account for what we just paid for in our monthly mm-hmm. budget going through the whole year rather than being able to go, can I make the, the big purchase right now? I also don't really need to know if, you know, you've got a gluten allergy or, or you prefer organic this versus free range that. Those aren't the decisions I need to be involved with uh, in there. Now, maybe we can talk about a little, uh, you know, here and there. You got places like Sprouts where uh, Wednesday you got last week's sale price and this week's sale price. So you got both weeks all on the same day. Mm-hmm. You could can, you can pick up some, uh, some pretty good deals like that. But for the most part, the day-to-day operational sort of things, if if they're not the big high-level sorts, that that's information we don't have to go through. However, I will say this. I've sat down with many a client whose kids are getting ready to, to take that next jump out of high school into the uh, university world, and we've sat down to look at, okay, this is what we've got in our 529, this is what uh, school A, school B, school C looks like it will probably cost. Are there other options out there? And and I've sat down with folks, and we've gone through uh, the different WUI schools, right, the Western Undergraduate Exchange. We've looked at schools that have a particular major. What's the cost difference between going to Colorado or Colorado State or UCCS versus Wyoming or New Mexico or Arizona State or or something along those lines just to see, okay, it might, in fact, be cheaper if I'm not staying close because that happens quite often, in fact. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, that obviously, you know, the big things that's going to impact, you know, those beneficiaries, things as well. And even, you know, we talked about it last week with Evan, too, kind of keeping up to speed on a lot of those things because your situation may change and all of a sudden who you thought would be a beneficiary or trustee, whomever, might be changing due to those uh, life circumstances. Exactly, exactly. In fact, I sat with a uh, client a couple of weeks ago. Um, who hadn't been in for a couple of years. And one of those things that we were looking at were the beneficiaries on her accounts. And we actually needed to change that because since she was last in, her husband had passed. He was listed as the number one beneficiary. So we needed to make those changes. So yes, death is that one thing we'll address after it happens, mm-hmm. right? Because I, if, if you know, you know, sort of that pre-version of that going on, I don't think I want to be in on that discussion. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing, the one life event we can deal with after the fact. But again, wedding, divorce, birth of a child, all these big things going on, right? Graduations, we're moving. Those are things we need to talk about before they happen. Absolutely. And... When it comes to that, you know, if you say you forget that or you're neglecting in the moment, have that 
Is there kind of a time frame that it's too long to go back and fix some of those mistakes of not telling your advisor? No, no. It's uh, there. There's no such thing as we've waited too long to be able to say this or fix mm-hmm. this or adjust that. It just means that along the way, we might have to tweak that plan that we had put together. Maybe it's been a couple years since we've been able to sit down and go over the changes. We may need to actually tweak some plans a little bit. In fact, I saw a client, um, we were we were kind of talking about this, having some fun a couple weeks ago. When I met him and his wife, they were fairly newly married. We sat down, built that original plan. Uh, it's been almost nine years ago now. They just had their fifth. So their oldest is about eight and a half. Mm-hmm. So she was she was expecting him when we first sat down. And we're just kind of talking about all those changes that have happened over the years. And there were a couple times where we, for lack of a better term, we missed a kid yeah. uh, in there. Because, you know, as somebody with uh, young children at the house, I know that you are fully aware that, you know what, there are some things, you know, meeting with my advisor and telling him we just had another one, probably not at the top of my list right now. Yeah, just kind of that white knuckle surviving. Yes. Yes, indeed. So when it comes to being able to come back and say, ooh, forgot to tell you, we did ABC, it's always good to just say, hey, it's been a couple years. These are some of the changes, so we need to make some updates. I promise you, very few, if any, advisors are going to judge you based on, well, you didn't tell me that you bought a car last week. We don't care about that. We just need to know it so we can go, oh, so now we've got a new payment or, oh, you took the cash out of there to make that purchase. So we need to adjust accordingly. Absolutely. And then what is the final thing not to do when it comes to that relationship with your financial advisor? So so I'm sure folks have heard me talk about this more than once. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you've heard guys like Dave Ramsey say this over and over and over, especially during 2022 when markets were headed south. But you don't want to freak out. Don't freak out at that sign of a market that's either A, slowing the growth, or B, going backwards. And the reason for that. The only people, Dave says it all the time, the only people that get hurt on the roller coaster are the ones that jump off, right? That is the official, I've locked in my losses because I went from being invested to cashing it out. I have guaranteed my bottom line of I am going to lose money. But if you stay on that roller coaster, if you ride that roller coaster for the length of time that you set out, Yes, there might be a little adjustment here or there made by the advisor, but you don't want to do that whole, hey, I'm getting all the way out, because typically most folks I've seen wait way too long to get back in. And I know we've talked about it before. The most important piece is not timing the market, not guessing right to get in and get out, but the most important piece is the time spent in the market, having your money there. And, and there's a, a great example. This actually um, came from the folks at Morningstar, right? They're, they're folks who do all these uh, compiling of numbers. And they built this thing called the investment impact of missing the best days in the market. Mm-hmm. So over the last 10 years, right, 10-year time frame, if 10 years ago you started out with $100,000, and it only followed what the S&P 500 did 
over those 10 years, today you would have $462,575. Okay. Pretty good return in 10 years. If you missed the 10 best days in those 10 years, you would only have about $257,000, a little over half. If you missed the 10 best days, if you missed the 20 best days in that 10-year period, not per year, but 20 best days in 10 years, instead of 462, you're at 191 over a 10-year period. If you missed the best 30 days, in those 10 years, you're at 151,000. And if you miss the 50 best days in those 10 years, averaging the five best days per year, you actually lost money in 10 years. Oftentimes, it works like this. If you find the worst day in a market, typically the best day that year is within a day or two following that time frame. We saw it happen in 2007, 8, 9, when we had 18 months of a down market. We saw it happen as recently in March of 2020, right? We had a day where the market was down 7% because we couldn't come to an agreement in the House on to what are we going to do to help the American Mm -hmm. families. The market fell apart, dropped 7%. Late that afternoon, after the markets closed, of course, they decided they could come to an agreement. The next day, the market was up over 9%. Yeah. So if you missed the bad one, typically speaking, you also missed the really good one and a lot of that swing back to the upside. Well, and that's kind of, you know, getting back to when we first talked about this is part of the reason to have that financial advisor, somebody to help take some of that emotion out of it and to kind of help uh, maybe even do be that counselor role as you mentioned so oftentimes you have to be that hey it's okay just it, let's you know stay the course it's gonna be all right you know to uh and and you know i hate to say this because you would hate to say it as well but i'll quote that guy who spells his name wrong in green bay who's sitting in darkness right now yes who's sitting in the darkness right now every once in a while you just have to say relax absolutely Because ultimately, there are some behaviors, right? When we start to get emotional with our money, we're going to make irrational, oftentimes bad choices. Well, folks, that is all the time we've got for this week on Money Matters. Tune in again next week, where we will be back here continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.